welcome to the Fit Life with Jessica podcast, where we talk about how to create and maintain healthy habits with our fitness, nutrition, and overall well-being. This is a place where you can come to get real life, health, and fitness advice from a busy working mama who has a passion for helping others find their way to health and happiness. We're all in this crazy journey together, so why not lean on and lift each other up in the process? All right, welcome back to another episode of the Fit Life with Jessica podcast. I am so stoked to finally get to chat with my friend, Temple Stewart. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yes. So how do you and I know each other? Did we meet through another coaching program was, I feel like we were in each other's world learning together at the same time. I think it was, um, through Melissa's, uh, right. You work with Melissa, the business coach, I believe. Wasn't it through hers? I think it might've been her or maybe was it Carrie Perry? Yes. Yes yes, yes. 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 You're right. See, I like it. I get them all. Yes. Yeah. She's incredible. The social media, um, Instagram. Yes. Yeah. I spoke of her. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I get, I get them. They kind of run together when you work with so many, but yeah. Sometimes we are in each other, like in so many different places. I'm in a lot of different coaching programs and I have a lot of different mentors though, but I love how that brings people together in so many different ways. It's amazing. And I fully believe that coaches need coaches at all times because it's so helpful. So yeah, that's funny. It's very cool. 100%. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you and I are Instagram friends. We are kind of in the same camp when it comes to wellness, but you are on Instagram. You are known as the ketogenic nutritionist. So I'd love to hear just from you kind of like, what's your story? What's your background? Like, have you always been into this or is this something that you kind of transitioned to later in life? What does that look like? Yeah. So great question. So I, uh, didn't always know I was going to go into nutrition. I, so I'm a registered dietitian. Um, I didn't actually know what all that entailed when I went into kind of my nutrition journey. And like a lot of other dietitians, I went into nutrition kind of with my own health struggles. So essentially what happened was and kind of a shortened version of it. Well, I played college soccer and Basically, I was I was slightly overweight and I couldn't really figure out what was going on with my cycle. I was having these symptoms that didn't really make sense. I was getting like cystic acne. My hair was falling out. I just didn't feel like myself. And I was in college and I was like, these are supposed to be the best years of my life. I feel like crap. Like, what is happening to me? Why do I not have a cycle? And I just kept gaining weight and I really couldn't figure out why. So I was like, okay, well, let me get into nutrition. Like, let me figure out there's got to be this link. So I started taking nutrition courses. I had no idea that registered dietitians like mostly end up working in hospitals, working with really, really sick people. I had no idea. I just was like, I like this. Let me take college courses on it. And so long story short, I ended up figuring out that I had horrific PCOS, which if, if your listeners aren't familiar with that, it's basically diabetes of the ovaries. For most, there's several types of PCOS. So I'm not saying that's that's all of it, but essentially it's it's very heavily linked to insulin resistance or metabolic dis- dysfunction. And essentially that's what kind of threw me into um, just this fascination with metabolic health. And that's essentially what put me into the low carb ketogenic niche um, after I really got fresh, very, very frustrated with conventional medicine and it continued to fail me. And the answer kept being birth control and metformin and spironolactone over and over and over again. And that was just failing me over and over and over again. And so I kind of started to blaze my own trail and 
you know, at the time I was a, a first year dietitian and I figured out what worked for me. And then I started using some of my methods with my patients and then it started working for them. And then I realized, okay, there's something to this, this method. And that's when I really picked it up and, and decided to specialize in it as a registered dietitian. And I've kind of been doing that ever since. Nice. So it was in college that you first started dealing with all of these. And I hear PCOS a lot more lately than we used to. I don't know if people are being diagnosed more, if it is more just talked about it. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. So PCOS is the number one endocrine disorder in the world. It's the number one cause of female infertility in the world. A lot of women don't realize they have it until they go to get pregnant and they, um, they can't essentially it causes a variety of different symptoms. So a lot of times women will still have a period, which is why it can be a little bit misleading. A lot of times women will have no symptoms at all. Um, a lot of times women will have a period, but not ovulate, which is why they think they're fine, but they're really not ovulating. Sometimes the only symptoms they may have is just maybe a little bit of acne, or maybe they're just, you know, 10 to 15 pounds overweight. So it's very, um, it's very elusive in diagnosis and which, which is why it can be so dangerous. Oftentimes too, it can be hidden with the pill. And so if you're on birth control, which is all, is so often given to women, anytime there is even the slightest bit of hormonal dysfunction, it can hide PCOS. And so a lot of times I see that as well. And so it's very, very common. We know now research study that there's over, over 90% of the US population is to some degree metabolically unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And so with that comes a lot of these disorders like PCOS, like type two diabetes, like hypertension, like overweight and obesity. And so yeah, PCOS is a big one and we're starting to see it happening to women younger and younger and younger. Now, the thing I do just want to make very clear is PCOS is a syndrome. And so a lot of times PCOS, us get uh, PCOS women get this diagnosis and they don't understand that it can be put into remission and it can be easily, I don't want to say easily controlled, but it can be controlled via lifestyle and diet. A lot of women think that, well, you know, I've got PCOS, I'm doomed with this. I'm never going to be able to overcome it. Like you can get rid of every single symptom. You can get pregnant naturally. You can have a baby um, you can do all of the same things your peers can do without PCOS, um, even without medication, if that's, you know, your heart's desire. So the way that the way that PCOS is diagnosed, if you're if your listeners are curious, is it's called the Rotterdam criteria. And basically, you just have to have two of the three. You either have to have um, amenorrhea, which is like your cycles are off or they're too long, they're too short, et cetera, or there's no cycle at all. You have to have cysts on your ovaries and they have kind of a qualification about the size of the cyst and how many. Um, and then you have to have high androgens and high androgens are just high DHEA or high testosterone. Um, and those are the hormones that are actually causing a lot of the symptoms in PCOS women. So that's where you're going to get your acne. That's where you're going to get a lot of the weight gain. That's also where you're going to get the oily skin and the facial hair and the loss of actual scalp hair. And so it's a pretty brutal syndrome. Um, but like I said, it is very controllable, um, when you put the right practices and, um, you know, diet modifications and lifestyle modifications into play. Definitely. It's, it is so incredible to me. And also so like freeing to know that we can cure, or I should, I should say cure, but like put into remission. Yeah. So many diagnoses that women, men, people, yeah. are experiencing in their life. You can, you can 
aid that through your food. Like the old, you know, the age old saying, like, let thy food be thy medicine. Like we've all heard that time and time again, but when you see people like you, who are, you know, young, your mom's like me, we're running a business, like we're doing all these things, but you're like, look what I have done with my body. And it's like, the proof is in the pudding. And that's just so reassuring to me. And it's just like, so comforting to know that it really can be not to oversimplify it, but it really can be simple at the end of the day. It doesn't have to be all these drugs that we're putting in our body or all these major overhauling changes. It's like, hold on, let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to like, what the hell are you fueling your body with? Yeah. What are we putting in our bodies? Period. Totally. Totally. It, you're absolutely correct. And a lot of people just are never told. And you know, they're only told you this is your only option is to take this medication. You're going to be doomed for this for the rest of your life. And it's just not the case. It's truly not same thing for type two diabetes, same thing for hypertension, same thing for metabolic syndrome. I mean, I non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, you name it, there's a lifestyle and diet modification for it. Um, and that's ultimately why I'm so grateful that I went the nutrition and, you know, registered dietitian route is because I learned that very quickly is that people have the, the number one causes of mortality and death in, in the country by a long shot are diet and lifestyle mm-hmm. related conditions, cardiovascular disease, you they're, they're all related to what we're, we're putting in our bodies and the lifestyle that we're living. And when people start to understand that and understand that you are in more control than you think is when the tide is going to start to shift. And also understanding that a pill and especially now, an injection is not going to be the number one uh, answer to your problems. And you're going to have to eat um, and you're going to have to make changes. And so, it, yeah, it, it, it is it's truly um, it gives people back control. And I think that that's a wonderful feeling for sure. Definitely. And I talked about this with a client this morning, how, you know, our brains really want like easy and simple and like we are such a you know, easy button generation. And we want this like instant gratification. You just like, bing, like instant gratification. And especially now with the, you know, talk about these injections about like Ozempic and these other things, like where it seems like such an easy fix or an easy out, but it really isn't addressing the root cause of the problem. And we have to think, you know, it's a big mindset shift to think about like, let me fix the problem versus let me think long game. Let me think long-term, let me think preventative. And also like, you know, let me address these symptoms I'm having here, but how can I prevent something else from happening in the future? Totally. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And what a lot of people don't aren't understanding about a lot of these medications as well is, is the weight regain effect is like 95%, you know, you're paying, you know, $1,400 a month or how, I mean, it's, it's crazy, you know, the scale of what people are charging and and you look at the phase two trials of the original study for these, um, whatever they are, there's 15 different names of them now. Um, and, and the vast majority, once they get off your appetite returns, you know, almost immediately. Cause essentially that's the, the number one effect is, is appetite suppression. Um, and, and the appetite returns very, very quickly. And if you haven't addressed a lot of those eating behaviors and you don't understand kind of the hormonal effects of the, the way that certain nutrients affect um, food satiation and all those types of things, it, it's going to be very difficult when you, when, when you get off and you have those cravings and you have that sugar withdrawal and you have all of those things, it, it, it makes things very difficult. So yeah, we, the phase two trial of the original study on the semiglutides um, and these GLP-1 antagonists um, 
is the part of the the study that gets left off oftentimes and conveniently conveniently yeah, left off yeah conveniently left off and i try to tell people and i'm not 100% against these medications and i try to say that publicly cuz i made a tiktok a couple months ago and you know sometimes you put stuff online and you you don't regret it but you kind of regret it sometimes cuz somebody takes it the wrong way and then it ends up like get you get trolled and all this stuff and someone took it completely out of context and ended up getting like stitched and then like went a little bit farther than I would have liked it. And anyway, it got completely blown out of context. And the long story short is that I'm not against these medications, but I am against the way that they're being presented. Mm -hmm. And you kind of nailed it when you said like, they're not an easy button because they don't address the root cause of the problem. They're not actually teaching people how to control uh, food behaviors. They're not teaching people how to control blood glucose spikes naturally. They're not teaching people how to deal with nutrition psychology when social peer pressure happens and, and people are pressuring you to eat food at a birthday party. They're not helping you with those events. They may in the moment when you're using them, but unless you're planning on using them until the day that you die, you're going to have to, you're going to have to face these problems and, and understand the the ways to uh, address them without necessarily just absolutely wrecking your appetite with these meds. And I'm again, I'm not against them. I think they can be very helpful in certain situations. Um, I just think that uh, they're not necessarily the miracle working drug that we are, uh, that TikTok has made them out to be, you know? Absolutely. And you're missing the whole education piece. You know, you're missing the whole, like, let's, it's interesting when you, get to the nitty gritty and you talk to your clients or you talk to people on social media, you know, we both coach women and, you know, who want to either lose weight or better their health or things like this. And, you know, you kind of forget how little the general public, the general population just knows about basic food and nutrition. And I don't mean any shade by that. I just mean that like when you're in this world, we think about things a little bit differently. And so like, it is just so found some of the things where it's like, it's so foundational, these things that you need to learn and need to know about really like whole foods, nutrition, and like, what are the types of foods that can keep me satiated and how much protein do I need? And why are carbs not that great for me? And which kind should I eat? Like all these really simple things. And that's one of the things I love the most about your social media and like what you post and how you really educate on your channels is you're just like, so it's so it's polarizing, which I like, but it's also very like informative. And I'm like, Oh, I leave one of your TikToks or one of your reels, or I leave knowing like, this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, totally. No, I agree. And, and, and yeah, it is, it, it is, you know, what I figured out after working in the nutrition space for a little bit before I decided to niche down with low carbon keto is that what we have been trying to do with calories in versus calories out is an epic fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught that method. I tried to use that method. I tried to implement, implement that method for so long for, I, I used it for about, I would say two, uh, a year and a half before I went and really niched down low carb. Um, and what, and I'm not saying I don't think that there needs to be calorie deficit because I do think you need to be in a slight calorie deficit for weight loss, but I do not think that long-term extreme calorie deficit works for weight loss, um, which is another issue that I have with these medications as well. Um, but in, yeah, so, you know, I think that you're right about just educating the public. I think getting the, the word out there that obesity medicine is complex and everyone looks a little bit different and there's multifacets to all of this stuff. And you know, addressing stress, addressing sleep, addressing lifestyle factors and relationships and 
all these different areas of someone's life is important. Yeah, nutrition may be 80% of it, but we, we can't downplay the rest of it as well. And so there's a lot of things that we need to look at um, when we're helping somebody on this journey uh, with whatever it is, whether it's losing weight or building muscle or whatever um, their goal is uh, that they're trying to achieve to better themselves. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I want to dig into really what your niche is and where you specialize, which is keto and low carb. So someone who maybe has heard the term keto or ketogenic thrown around, let's explain that. What is that? Let's dig into that. Yeah. So keto, and I'm glad you asked, cause it's kind of gotten a bit of like a bad rap. Like I feel like a lot of people, when they immediately think keto, they like go to bacon and butter and just mounds of cheese. And they think like super ultra high fat. And just, it, it almost like comes off to me as like, Oh, that's gross feeling and then tasting. Um, but, but ketosis and, and ketogenic is really just describing a certain type of metabolism. It's, it's, it's gotten a bad rap lately, mostly because people talk about it online that have no business talking about it or don't actually understand it. Ketosis is just a metabolic process of making energy essentially by the liver. It's just a way to provide energy for the body that doesn't use glucose. And so it, it is, it's a, honestly, it's, it's a survival technique that the body can use in the absence of carbohydrates. And I shouldn't use the word survival because that makes it sound like it, you would only use it in extreme connotations. It's not you, you essentially can reroute fatty acids to the liver to make ketone bodies, which then is used for energy. Now, this is a good process because it essentially allows us to burn fat stores. Now, in 100, 150 years ago, our ancestors would have been able to switch between glucose um, metabolism and ketosis back and forth just because we weren't constantly eating all the time. Mm. You know, you look back at food patterns and you look at history and, and the way people ate, they would you know, maybe have a little bit of a light breakfast. They would, they would go, go to work, maybe pack a lunch and then they would come home for dinner and have dinner. And then there was typically a decent fast through the night. There was not this consistent, constant eating. We need to eat around the clock all the time behaviors that we participate in now off. It was nothing to skip a meal back then. Now that is, you know, considered a fad or like you're doing something that's like off the rails, you know, mm -hmm. which is so bizarre because our ancestors could go easily. And you think even farther back hunter gatherer days, like oftentimes they would have one meal a day and that was nothing to them Right. You know, you think about doing that now. And it's just bizarre. And a lot of people can't even do it you know, without feeling shaky or hungry or cranky. And that is not the way that our body was built or made to function optimally. Now, I'm not saying you guys need to go eat one meal a day. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a good method, but I'm just saying back then our bodies were able to switch between glucose metabolism and ketone metabolism effortlessly. And that was called metabolic health. And that is essentially my goal for my clients. And that is essentially what I want um, to help people understand is that when you can switch back and forth effortlessly between the two, between using glucose as metabol as energy and ketone as uh, ketones as energy, you are in a good place and your body is in a healthy place to not only uh, burn the food that you're eating and consuming, but if it needs to, it can very quickly tap into the body fat stores that it has and use it up as it needs to. And this is very good for weight maintenance, obviously, because not only now are you not storing fat constantly, which 
For the record, most people are almost always in a quote unquote fat storage mode. If you never get into quote unquote ketosis, most people are rarely tapping into that fat storage. Now, some that are exercising properly and not necessarily eating at all periods or not in a calorie deficit are, but anyway, in ketosis, you're doing a good job of getting into those energy stores. So that is just a long winded way to say ketosis is just a metabolic process of converting fatty acids to ketone bodies through the liver. It's a very, the liver is like the coolest organ in the body. It does this process. And then ketones in themselves are very efficient energy sources. So the brain loves them. The body loves them. That's why you hear people in ketosis are like are very stable energy wise. Their blood sugar levels are very flatlined, very stable. Um, they don't need naps in the afternoon. It's a very efficient fuel source. Um, so I hope that made sense. Did that feel, do you feel like that made sense? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The, the way I, this is like my layman's terms of like the way I understood this. Tell me if I got this right. So when you're in ketosis, right, this is your body. You're getting energy from your own fat storage versus the bagel you just ate for breakfast. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And it, it works fantastic for people that need to burn fat stores. It also works for people, especially people that have uh, abused their pancreas's insulin reserves and, and have, have, have gotten into a place where their body is no longer using the hormone insulin in a good way. And so I, I specifically work with a lot of insulin resistant people and, and to kind of, I don't want to like make it too sciencey, but it, it especially works for people. And most people that are overweight or obese have some degree of insulin resistance, uh, confirmed by labs and confirmed by research. And so, um, it, it, keto is, is research backed one of the best methods to heal and reverse that issue, insulin resistance specifically. Mm, definitely. So if someone wants to dip their toe in the keto world, if someone wants to eat more keto, right? Like what are some things like for me, keto means really good, healthy fats yeah. and eating really high fat diet, but in a good way. Yeah. And you can say this probably a lot more eloquently than I can. Lots of veggies, a little yeah. starches. Like what does that look like on a dietary level? So I like to explain people, um, or like to like think, think, modified Mediterranean style diet. So I like to, it, I don't even like to tell the people like people, the words high fat, because I, I think people can easily go overboard, like trying to add fat. I see that as probably one of my top three, like keto mistakes is people will immediately think like, Oh, I, now I can add butter to everything. Like I'm going to be pouring coconut oil in my smoothie. And I think that that's like not the best way to do it. So just think Fat in general is almost always perfectly packaged with protein if you're eating whole food sources of protein. So I just tell people eat, eat a recommended amount of protein. I typically recommend one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Um, like, and, and then if you have a significant amount of weight to lose, try to go more towards your like ideal body weight. If you're trying to figure out what you're looking for protein grams wise and just eat normal sources of protein and your fat will just come naturally. Um, and so don't go in and out of your way to add 
copious amounts of fat. So like, I don't want to see people adding half a stick of butter to cook vegetables. I don't want to see people adding, you know, raw coconut oil to their coffee in the morning. I don't necessarily love that style of keto. I teach more of a higher protein style, but yes, to, to, to back you up on what you said, I teach a very whole food anti-inflammatory style ketogenic diet. Lots of protein sources. I'm not really, um, I, I love, I love fatty fish. I love eggs. I love red meat. I love chicken, turkey. I love it all. Um, I just love whole food sources of proteins. Mm -hmm. I love non-starchy vegetables of all kinds, leafy greens, tomatoes, cucumbers, bell peppers, cauliflower, sprouts, broccoli sprouts, you name it. Um, I'm a huge fan of it. The things you really can't get away with a lot of on keto are your root vegetables, anything grown underground. So you can't really eat a ton of potatoes. You can get away with carrots, mostly raw carrots. It, you get into trouble if you were to eat like a sheet pan of cooked carrots, but you can get away with raw carrots. Onions are fine as well. Um, so you eat a ton of veggies. And then my, my favorite fat is actually cooking with olive oil. So I recommend people mostly cook with extra virgin olive oil. And um, animal fats are okay too. I just prefer if you're going to eat the animal sources of protein, you might as well just cook with olive oil. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, nuts and seeds, all of that is fine as well. You do have to be cautious with which ones you choose. Like cashews and pistachios tend to be on the higher carb side of nuts, whereas almonds, walnuts, pecans, macadamians, nut, macadamia nuts tend to be, Brazil nuts are also pretty low carb keto friendly. Um, hemp seeds, chia seeds, uh, avocados, olives, those can all fit on a ketogenic diet as well. And so that's kind of like the basis of if someone was trying to get started, you know, tomorrow, that that would be the bulk of their diet. And so um, it does take a few days to get into ketosis. So it, it typically takes, depending on how insulin resistant that individual is. So like if they were to have, you know, some of these pre-existing conditions, PCOS, type two diabetes. And I should say this too, like disclaimer, none of this is medical advice. So yes. like, we are not doctors. Yeah. We're not doctors and you cannot go switching to like, especially if you're on type two diabetes medications, or you're taking a lot of blood pressure medications, keto is legitimately so effective that if you switch to it and you're on these medications, you can actually have like a hypoglycemic event or a hypotensive event. So it is, it is so effective that prescription medications can be too much and cause an issue. And so just know that like, I have to take, I have to work with med, uh, PCPs and doctors all the time to get people off medications, um, which is a fantastic problem to have. But just understand that like, if you're listening to this and you're on insulin, don't go like cutting your carbs to zero because you can have a hypoglycemic event. Um, and so you need to do this all in, in conjunction with a professional. Um, and so that, that would be my like recommend, like keto for beginners, for beginners, food, foodless 101, if I could say one. Yes. Yes. Those are like all of my favorite foods, just about avocado. You said avocado and olives. Those are arguably two of my favorite things. Yeah, same. <laughs> my kids love them too, which is like, I feel like that is like a mom win to the top. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My daughter, that was one of the first foods that my daughter Ellie really, really liked was avocado. Yeah. She called it avocado yeah. and she would just yeah. like eat it solo. I mean, the girl still eats avocado toast to this day. Um, and she's almost nine, but you know, I think something that you touched on that 
I, that really hit home because it happened to my mom when she and I did the whole 30 together as an experiment, she's on high blood pressure meds yeah. and like eating. So, and I know whole 30 is different than keto, but still you're like, yeah. you're severely paring down processed carbs. You are, yeah. there's zero crap in your diet. And yeah. she's like, my meds are too good now. Like, or my, right. my blood pressure is too good now. She's like, I need to like alter these because yeah. So I can, I can truly attest to seeing that and like making sure you're working closely with your doctor when you're changing your diet, um, when you're making these shifts at all. I mean, what do you say to, you know, can you do keto like long-term lifetime? Like, are there different levels of it? Like how can someone kind of change in and out of like, this is like my, I'm going hard mode and this is my like maintenance mode. I love this question. And I'm so glad you asked me because I get absolutely trolled online all the time. It's very, and this is keto for anyone listening and just understand it's pretty unconventional. If if you're talking to a dietitian, most dietitians don't like keto. Um, Most, most don't like restriction in general, but it's so effective. It works so well for disease maintenance. Um, It's just hard to ignore. And so I want everyone to understand that. And and understand that there's, like you said, there's so many different levels is uh, think of keto as like a tool in your tool chest. And this is the way that I try to portray it is like, you can have a healthy relationship with anything and you can have an unhealthy relationship with anything. You can have a healthy relationship with exercise. You can also have a very unhealthy relationship with exercise. And so when I get these comments online, that are very frustrating to me because Keto can absolutely change the entire health trajectory of someone's life. I have seen people absolutely put type two diabetes in remission. And if you're not really familiar with the course of type two diabetes, it can be completely life changing in terms, in a not good way. I mean, it can destroy your kidneys. It can destroy your eyesight. It can take you down quicker than any disease on the market. And so I like to say that, oh, you shouldn't be teaching keto online is, uh, is, is, is an ignorant statement when you don't see the life change of, of, okay, yeah, but you didn't see that this could have just added 50 to 60 years to someone's life. And so I say all that to say, think of keto as a tool and you may be in a very severe, uh, health state where you need to make changes immediately. You may be very insulin resistant. You may be type two diabetic with a lot of issues, and you may need to be very strict for a very long period of time in order to get control of it. And that's okay. And I've worked with clients just like you, and there's just as much hope for you as there is for someone that may just need to lose 10 to 15 pounds to get their PCOS under control so they can naturally conceive a baby. So there is hope on all ends of the spectrum. And there is ways that we can implement keto, whether we need to be a little bit more restrictive, or maybe we can pull back the reins and flirt with like a keto cyclical diet and add in a little bit carb add in a little bit more carbs here and there there's there's a whole spectrum of people in terms of what we call insulin sensitivity or or their like insulin resistant range and so just understand that not everyone necessarily needs to be ultra restrictive for the rest of their life and it really comes down to where you are are you in a disease state? Are you are you in a significantly overweight state? What are your goals? Like, do you want to lose a lot of weight? Do you have a lot of things to change? And then also understand there's a lot of different ways to follow keto. There's also, the, uh, a, I typically move people into more of like a low carb ketogenic or like a low carb maintenance phase once we hit our weight. Um, 
goal. And then there's also like tracking blood sugars. Are your blood sugars in a good range? Are your labs looking good? And does that match up? So I base the level of restrictiveness and how hard we need to go on keto with what your labs are telling me. Mm -hmm. So if I, I pull labs on all of my clients, if I see that they're fasting insulin is through the roof. If I see that their triglyceride panel is through the roof, if I see that they are, you know, extremely inflamed and they're at, you know, a huge CBD risk event and they've got all these issues, I'm going to go hard and I want them to do keto and I want them to get all these risk levels down. Cause the last thing I want them to do is have a heart attack in six months, you know? And so it's like, there's a huge range and array of, um, things we can put into place. And then ultimately, and lastly, and I would argue most important is what's going to be realistic to that individual long-term. Mm, like yeah. we can be restrictive and I can have goals for that person. And I can offer my advice and my help and tell them like, this is probably what needs to be done to reverse this condition. But is that going to be what's best for them in terms of being realistic long-term? Maybe. And so I think it's really important to understand, like, as, as a coach, and I know you understand this, like we can only, we can only do uh, as much and partner with as much like as our clients want to. And, and that's the part of the, the coach client relationship. And that's the beauty of it. And the fun of it really, you know, is I'll, I'll, I want to go as hard as my clients want to go. And, um, and I respect their decisions and, um, but it's all individualized. Um, so that was a, a, another long-winded answer mm, yeah. to your question of like, it really, it, it's, it's so dependent. And the way that I follow keto to give people a reference to kind of understand my timeline. So when I had PCOS and I was, I, I, so I lost about 65 pounds my entire like keto journey. I used to be almost 200 pounds. I'm five, nine for reference. I was flaming inflamed. I mean, my CRP was probably 12. Um, it should be under one. My insulin was in thirties. It's now under four, under three. Wow. Um, I could, I had no period. I had no period for like six years, which is as a, I was 22 when I first got the diagnosis. I mean, that's terrible to not have a period. I wow. mean, in that like most no prime pill. fertile years of your yeah, life, you yeah. know, no period. I mean, you could see it on my face. I have like before pictures, like I just was like this puffy, like I just felt terrible. I was like borderline depressed. Like, I mean, I was depressed. <laughs> I, I think I lied to myself and said I wasn't, but I was just making it. I was making yeah. it. And I think some of the athleticism like played, like kept me sane, but I I needed to go like very like restrictive under 40 grams total carbohydrates. And I did that for a long time. Now I I'm at a healthy weight. My labs all match up. They're all very, very good. I do follow more of like a cyclical low carb ketogenic diet. I have fruit every now and then I'm a little bit more lax. I, I, I don't, you know, um, necessarily avoid it. If I can have like a gluten-free cookie, like, yeah, I'll see my blood sugar spike and I'll post it on Instagram and show everyone what happens. And so it, there's, a, there's, there's levels of kind of the journey and that's okay. And so I hope that all made sense. I feel like that was a lot, but it does. Oh my gosh. And if there's any place for a long-winded answer, it's the podcast. So I'm here yeah, for there it. You go. There you go. <laughs> well, I love what you said. I mean, two things really, really stood out to me. And I, I say this and I teach this too. You know, you said keto is one tool yeah. in your tool belt and like, you know, whatever method of fueling your body, I don't even want to call it dieting, whatever method of fueling your body you choose to follow that works for you specifically 
I mean, that is one tiny tool. You've also got movement. You've also got your sleep and your recovery. You've also got your mental health. You also have your emotional health. You have stress, like all of these things. So you're right. It's one tool in your toolbox. Totally. Yeah, totally. And, 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 you know, this, like the more research is coming out, the more, and the more I'm implementing this, this with my clients, we're learning about how important it is to follow your cycle, how important it is to eat alongside your cycle, how important stress is, how maybe we shouldn't be doing all this hit workouts. Like, right. But like, you know, you know, it's so fascinating. Um, yeah. Anyway, I get excited about that because I think women especially have been on the lower end of the totem pole when it comes to research. Like we haven't gotten research when it comes to our cycles or childbearing years or, or even, you know, they say it, it, I, I totally agree. You can't do a lot of research on pregnant women because it's unethical, but we just have gotten the short end of the stick because everything's done on men. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, what about us? We, you know, we're the ones that have to go through menopause. Like we're the ones who have to cycle every month, you know? And it's like, anyway, I don't want to open that. We could probably do well, a our bodies open. are so much more complex than I know. Men, that, men that listen to this podcast. The only man probably does is my husband. So, you know, yeah. hey, we can, we can go <laughs> ham if we want to, but I like know. we're the ones who's I, I've totally been like, I'm knee deep in research and learning. Actually today yeah. I have someone teaching in my membership about thinking your workouts to your cycle. And I am like, I'm almost 40 years old. And I just I learned about this last year. What it's the actual bizarre. hell? I know it's bizarre. I, I, I tell people I actually lost weight and I don't, I don't want this to confuse anyone, but I actually lost weight when I stopped doing hit exercises because I was jacking my cortisol so high. And with, P, with PCOS, that's already an issue. Like cortisol is already an issue because you have this cascade of hormonal absolute disaster. And my cortisol, I was doing this hit workouts because trying to lose so much weight. And I was like killing my adrenals. And I didn't understand. I was like, why am I not losing weight? I'm running. I would do a hit workout. And then I kid you not, I would go run three miles after wow. a hit workout. And I couldn't figure out why the next morning I would wake up like two to three pounds heavier because my body was like, I'm dying. I'm dying. Like I cannot, I, I have no more adrenaline, like, you know? And so yeah, it's, it's so true. I think the cycle syncing stuff and the more we learn about like each phase of working out and even eating, like you can match certain nutrients to certain phases of the cycle. And I don't, so one of the things that's kind of big in keto and in regards to the cycle with my women of childbearing years, especially my women that are necessarily like trying to conceive, if I'm having them eat low carb, one of the things I'll do is I'll actually have a little bit of a higher carb the week before the cycle, because that really helps with progesterone. And so I think just learning this kinds of stuff is just such a fantastic way to help women understand that our, you, like you said, our bodies are very complex. Our hormones are not like men. I always say women are like an orchestra. Our hormones are like an orchestra. Men are like the guy with the guitar just by himself. You know, um, it's so true. Cause like they've got testosterone. Now they've got other stuff. I don't want to like put them out there like that, but it's, they're, they're relatively easier to fix than women are. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool stuff and kudos to you for getting, um, I would love that individual's name if you don't mind sharing. Yeah. That. Yeah potentially have them work with some of my clients as well. Oh, absolutely. It's just, it's, I'm telling you, I, one of my business mentors and coaches, and I was in her mastermind last year and she was the yeah. first person who ever taught me about cycle thinking. Now I've yeah. been on birth control for years, 
Like yeah. a side note, I'm going to go off of it here at this, yeah. at the end of this year. Thank God. I'm yeah. so excited. So now I'm like, okay, I really have to learn this, but yeah. I'm excited to learn it. I'm going to tell you right now, it's like, it, it would change my entire life going off. Grid. I mean, it's scary, obviously. Um, yeah. but yeah, it was the best thing I ever did. For yeah. I've, I've been on birth control. I mean, since I was probably 19, with the exception of while I was trying to get pregnant and pregnant, Perfect. I've had two children naturally and yeah. been on an IUD ever since. So like, cool, yeah. my body's going to have fun coming off of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I love that they're coming out with new options. Like they have the copper IUD now, which is what I recommend for everyone that's asked me about this. I, I don't know if you guys, if you know her, but her name is Dr. Jamie Seaman. She's a fantastic OBGYN. Um, she's on Instagram as Dr. Fit and Fabulous. I love her. Um, but she's a really good resource and she's not anti, of course, she's not anti birth control, but she, she talks about a lot of the complications of hormonal birth control. Um, and uh, like, she's a great OBGYN. I really respect her. Um, she's got a great podcast as well, but yeah, I like the copper. I like that. They're starting to have some non-hormonal options that are super effective versus like trying to, you know, do, do natural cycles and stuff. Cause for women with PCOS, and I keep going back to PCOS because I know you've got a lot of women listeners because a lot, I guarantee you a lot of your audience has a PCOS yes. um, and it, it, you cannot do, it's very hard to do natural cycles because it's very hard to know when you ovulate. Sometimes with women with PCOS, you can ovulate uh, away from the cycle. So it's, it's very like we got, I got pregnant still technically with PCOS away from my quote unquote ovulation time, which was fine. Like I was very happy to get pregnant naturally, but it was definitely not in my quote unquote fertility mm -hmm. window. So it, it can be very challenging for women with PCOS if they want to get off birth control, because a lot of them do because birth control doesn't actually help help women with PCOS. Um, so anyway, I just, I'm happy that they're coming out with options that are actually not so detrimental to the hormonal cycles and, and let you see what's happening, you know, cause that's my argument against birth control is it just numbs everything where you can't see, like, you don't know, like what, mm -hmm. you don't know what's going on. You don't know like, what well, phase what's you're in. Here. Exactly. And my doctor tries yeah. to kind of argue with me about it. And he's like, well, you still have their different cycle. And I'm like, no, I don't No, you don't. No, I'm like you, this. You you're, you're like, yeah, you're completely not flat. This. The bleed is not a bleed. Yeah. The bleed is not a bleed. It's a, it's a birth control, like fake, but yeah, it's not. And so, yeah, you'll, you'll, I'm, I'm curious to see how you feel. Um, another good resource for your listeners is Dr. Jolene Brighton. Um, her, she has a book called beyond the pill. Um, I read it when I came off birth control, one of the best, best, if you want to get off birth control, I recommend you read it like three to six months before, because she goes through all the supplements you need to start taking. Cause obviously birth control robs you of B vitamins and other things. So there's like a whole protocol to do before you come off so that you don't have the emotional, cause you will have some of the, you can have mood swings and things that like, cause it will, it'll throw you for a little bit of a loop hormonally. Um, so read that book. You, I well, no, thank you. Yeah. Dr. Jolene Brighton, Brighton, Dr. Jolene Brighton beyond the pill is the book. Nice. Yeah. No, it's for fantastic. sure. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I so appreciate that. Yeah. It's I a love good. it. All the, all the places yeah. that we could chat about all the things I, I want to go back to what you said, because I think this is really important to kind of touch on and, and talk about, cause I'm really all about meeting somebody where they are. Right. And like everyone's goals are different. And I loved what you said about how now, like you've lost about 65 pounds and you're in this place where you're like, 
I'm a bit more in maintenance mode. And if I want to have a gluten-free cookie every now and again, I will. And if I want to go have ice cream with my kids, as a treat. We do. And like learning how to choose when is it worth it for you to indulge in those things? And when is it not worth it? Cause I want to feel good. Not cause you want to look a certain way, but I mean, yeah, that's nice. But for me, the choices I make daily with food and weekly is more about energy levels and performance than anything. And of course I'm going to, you know, if we go have pizza night with the kids, like I'm going to have my cauliflower crust pizza and I'm going to freaking enjoy it. Or we're going to go have ice cream randomly. And I think that's so important to hear from women like you or women like me who are in this space and who, you know, we don't have, we don't eat perfectly and we still choose to indulge when we want and when it's really and truly worth it. Yeah. And this is a good question. And, and obviously kids have, have really played an impact with this because I know their little, uh, their little minds are watching me. Um, I have a two and I have a four-year-old and I never thought that that age was as impressionable as it is, but they watch and they watch Oh, mommy. Why aren't you eating? Or mommy, like, why didn't you eat that? Or mommy, why do my kids or why do my friends, uh, bring this to school? Um, you know, a lot of their parents will bring the McDonald's, their schoolmates McDonald's every morning. Mm -hmm. And we had to have a real conversation about that because that's not something I'm going to do. And so I had to like, Oh gosh, how do I have a healthy conversation? That's not going to make them think that McDonald's is horrible or that their parents are doing something necessarily wrong, but that's just not something that mommy believes is best for their bodies. And so it's, you know, it's like those types of things. And I'm like, golly, I'm not, I'm not, I'm 30, I'm 29 years old. I'm like, golly, these are conversations that I've never had to think about that are like hard conversations. And so um, I'll say that there, that that plays a big role into a lot of the eating behaviors that I've adapted to because I'm no longer just doing this for my mental health, but I'm also like, I've got little minds that are watching me and that matters more um, than really, obviously my mental health matters, but like that really, really matters to me is the way that my kids grow up and view food. Mm. Um, But I've also just realized that like, one gluten-free cookie isn't the death. It's not going to kill me. Um, and also I have become so in tuned with my body and I have done so much. Uh, I hate the word bio. I like the word biohacking, but I don't know that everyone. So biohacking is like when you understand how hormones work and you understand how blood sugar works, you just know that there are certain things you can do around that gluten-free cookie that I, I know how to make it not affect me that much. So for instance, If I do decide, like, let's say your cauliflower pizza crust example, if I know that we're going to go out for pizza night and I know, okay, cauliflower crust, that may spike my blood sugar a little bit, but there's some things I can do to mitigate it. Like for instance, I'll take my berberine supplement beforehand. I'll eat a ton of protein with it and it really won't spike my blood glucose. And then after we get pizza, me and the kids and the family are going to walk around the wharf for 20, 25 minutes and look at all the shops. And now my blood glucose is stable and it doesn't really have much of an impact and I feel good and my family has bonded Mm. and I have nothing to feel guilty and worry about. So that's one aspect of it is like, I know the ways of like, okay, I can kind of biohack around the food so that it doesn't have that much of an impact with me. Two, my little minds are watching. And three, I have just gotten to a healthy place of, I know that one treat occasion circumstance just doesn't affect me just like one healthy meal isn't going to make you lose 15 pounds it's all about the consistency and i i do well 
98% of, I don't want to say well, because that indicates that doing not good is bad, but I, I eat the way that makes me feel good 98% of the time. And you know what, too, I have figured out so well as, um, when things don't make me feel good, I won't do them. So there are certain things that I won't participate in. And, and it came back to what you said earlier, you said, I eat to like, what gives me energy and what makes me feel good. Cause you're right. There are things that make me don't feel good. Eating really, really late at night is one thing that I don't do well with. Like if I eat past nine or 10, like even if it's like we're watching a movie or whatever, I won't sleep well. And then my whole day is messed up. So there are things that I like try to really do avoid. And I think that it's important that people just figure that out for themselves. And what may work for me doesn't necessarily, you know, work for you. And that's okay. It's really just figuring out like, these are kind of my flows and these are, these are kind of my habits and it's okay to have different ones and it's okay to have kind of different routines and patterns and habits. And there's nothing wrong with it, you know? Exactly. That's so good. I love what you said about, um, biohacking or like mitigating the, you know, way that food affects you. And it's interesting because I was able to try out the NutriSense, uh, glucose monitor pretty recently. Yeah. Have you tried that before? Oh, I wear glucose monitors all the time. I wear okay. Yeah. It was so fascinating. I actually had yeah. an interview um, with one of the nutritionists from yeah. NutriSense. I interviewed her on the podcast and I learned so much from her and just which from one, which one was it? It was Catherine. Yeah. She's sweet. I, I yes. think it's either Catherine or maybe the other one I met at KetoCon, but they're very nice. They're very smart. So smart. So like such an eye-opening experiment to wear one for two weeks yeah. and see like the things that do affect your blood sugar, the things that don't yes. affect your blood sugar, like the things where, you know, if I had a really high protein lunch and then I had a treat, it wasn't near as this crazy spike and crash as opposed to having a treat on an empty stomach. Like it was so cool to see that. So like total side note. <laughs> yeah, I think honestly, I think I, I try to talk my clients, almost every single one of them into wearing one at least one time. Um, one of the most enlightening things for me from wearing a CGM for those of you that may not understand what we're talking about. They're the continuous blood glucose monitors. And they basically just show what things spike your blood glucose, what throws you off. Honestly, for me was stress and lack of sleep. I was appalled. I was appalled. Like I feel pretty good with the food stuff. Like I kind of know I can drink apple cider vinegar, take berberine, go for walks. I'm pretty good with like that kind of stuff, but the lack of sleep and then just the stress because I'm a pretty not high strung person, but I got a lot going on and a little bit high strung. I was like, I have got to get control because people, I think that's one aspect that people will leave to the wayside. And I'm preaching to the full on preaching to the choir right now. I'm talking right. myself, <laughs> myself that I will get called out by a CGM day after day after day with stress. I can literally watch my blood glucose go up like as my blood pressure rises, as somebody's frustrating me or whatever, you know, and I'm like, Temple, you got like, that was a huge moment for me to realize. And I think a lot of people don't realize that lack of sleep and stress will take you out. It will take you out. That's so true. Like you're, you're wondering why the morning after a really bad sleep, why are you craving sugary coffee? Why yeah. are you craving well, carbs? Yep. A donut. Like, and then when you crash from that, why are you craving that again? It's like, it's because of the lack of sleep, but, but, but putting those things together and like seeing it on your freaking phone, like on the app was like, oh, it was so cool. I was glued to my phone, looking at the app the whole time. I'm like, look at this, look at this, doing all these different experiments. It was, I'll link that podcast episode, um, in here so we can go, y'all can go back and listen to it if you want to hear more about it, but it was so cool. 
Yeah, no, I love that you were one because I think every coach, every anybody in this type of space, like to have that data. Um, and if you, um, well, I'll, I'll message you after, after the podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I want to make sure that we can, um, you know, everyone can find you and connect with you. Yeah. Where are some places that people can follow you and connect with you? And yeah. also how do you work with women? If someone's like, Whoa, yeah. I need help from temple. Like what are some of the ways they can work with you? Yeah. So I'm basically on every platform as the dot ketogenic dot nutritionist. So I'm on Instagram, TikTok, um, all of that Spotify. I have a budding podcast, nothing compared to yours, but a budding podcast. I'd love to have you on by the way. So we'll get, we'll get together about yeah. that. I haven't started interviews, but it's very new. So, um, but yeah, the dot ketogenic dot nutritionist. My name's Temple Stewart. If y'all have any questions about anything we've talked about, just D and me, I'm really trying to be super responsive. Um, if you want to work with me, just go to my Instagram and fill out, click my link in bio and just schedule a call with me. Or you guys can just DM me on Instagram. My assistant will get, get you all scheduled in. Um, I work with my clients on kind of a hybrid group program. I essentially work with them for either three to six months. I do a full lab analysis, macro calculation, supplement protocol. I work with them on e either obesity, weight loss, diabetes management, PCOS. I have a um, niche obviously with low carb keto um, and specialize in that insulin resistance. Um, and then obviously lab analysis, if there's something you're particularly concerned about, whether it's pre-diabetes, diabetes, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. That is my specialty in getting into remission. So y'all just see in me, um, get in touch with me. I'm happy to help in any way um, I can. Yes. And make sure you go follow you, whether you're on Instagram or TikTok. I'm not on TikTok because it's a little, it's like the wild, wild west set on TikTok right now. It's absolutely, stay off of it because it's it mental health. It will absolutely mess with you. Stay off. I'm on there, but barely. I like get on, post a video, get off, get on, post a video, get off. Try to and get out un unharmed, unscathed. Yeah, literally it. TikTok is like, they, they will, they will ruin you. I mean, like, it's not a good place for mental health. If you, I mean, you just have like, I just don't read any comments on TikTok. That's smart. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why, why it's so different. And I feel like Instagram, like everyone is so loving. Like I don't get like, I love my followers on everyone. is so nice on Instagram. Like, so true. It's so true. It's I, I can't, I don't have an analogy to what it is, but I mean, it's like all your BFFs and all I your cheerleaders are on oh. Instagram and we make such great connections like you and I, I on know. Instagram. And then TikTok is just like, you find it like, for yourself. For blood, I'm gonna stitch you, and I have like six million followers, and they're all gonna like cancel you. It's terrible. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. TikTok is brutal. Yeah. I would say, I don't like so, you. So go find you on Instagram. I love yeah, your reels. Yeah, yeah. You're just so. Not only is it super informative and like straight to the point, like everything is so so actionable on Instagram, but you're also just like, I'm cutting the BS. Like this is what yeah, you need to do. This is what you don't need to do. And you even teach me stuff. So I love it. But I think you are an amazing woman, an amazing human. You're doing such amazing things for people to help them live better lives. So yeah, I'm Jessica. just want to acknowledge you and say thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Yeah, this was really fun. I enjoy this. So thank you so much for having me on. And I love connecting with like-minded individuals. And I think the more we can support each other, the better. So I appreciate it. And um, yeah, we'll we'll be in connections. 
If you are loving listening to the podcast, you would absolutely love Thrive the Membership. That's right. If you are loving what I'm teaching, if you are digging my voice, if you want to learn more from me, I invite you to check out Thrive the Membership. This is an online monthly membership. It is the ultimate accountability group full of amazing community, supportive women, and epic coaching. There is a link in the show notes for you to check out all about Thrive the Membership. I will be closing enrollment at the very end of July. You do not want to miss this. The end of July, the 31st is the last day you'll be able to hop in the group for many, many months. So if you want to hop in now, if you want to learn more, I invite you to click the link in the show notes to check out Thrive and use the promo code in there for $10 off your very first month. What are you waiting for? Join the club.